Wow. We love you, Jesus. We love your presence. Your presence is everything to us. Your nearness is our good. Your presence is our promised land. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here and we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning by the power of your word. May you pierce our hearts. Would you speak in love? Would you speak in truth, God? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. Thank you, Ben. Wow, what a blessed time of worship, isn't it? It's kind of like, I feel like we could just stay in this place because there's nothing better. Um, today, um, good morning. Today we are um, finishing this series that Pastor Aramis started um, on the first Sunday of the year called the Divine Assignment Series. And uh, just before we, I go into my topic, I just want to do a quick recap um, for those that don't remember, haven't been here. The first Sunday of the, of the year, Pastor Aaron preached on Samson, and then he mentioned John the Baptist, Baptist, and he preached on the Nazarite lifestyle, a lifestyle of separation. He preached on preparing the way for the Lord, and he, he said something that really made me think and pray. He said, he asked the church, what if... We are the last generation before Jesus Christ's return. And then on that same evening, Josh, not knowing, he preached the next month on John the Baptist about preparing the way for the Lord. After that, on the next Sunday, Chloe, she preached on Joseph, and she preached that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he promised yesterday, he's going to do it today, and he's going to do it tomorrow. And to emphasize that point, I want to say, if he promised that he's coming again, he will come again. He will come again. And that's our hope. And uh, today, you know, the briefing that I got besides divine assignment was like, what do you feel God saying to the church in 2024? What, what do you feel God saying to the church? And yes, I believe that we are living in, in the last days, which is a privilege for us as a generation. And I believe the Lord's inviting us to a lifestyle of 20, in 2024 of two things. A lifestyle of obedience and a lifestyle of purity through dependence. And we're going to walk through those two points. It's something that the Lord has been speaking to me first. Every message I always bring is always the Lord talking to me first and challenging me first. So, yeah, get your Bibles, get your notebooks, um, be engaged with the word. Right, let's start with obedience, a lifestyle of obedience. If you want to open your Bibles in Hebrews 5, verse 7 to 9, if you don't have the word, it's okay, it's going to be in the screen. Hebrews 5, 7 to 9. In, in November last year, I felt God's really asking me to read the book of Hebrews, and I didn't know why. It's one of my favorite books. And among many verses, God spoke really with me about these three verses. And I just want to analyze it. Hebrews 5, 7 to 9. 
In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. What a beautiful um, few verses, isn't it? Um, I just want to start with saying, like, here it says that Jesus learned, learned obedience. Oh, sorry. Jesus was heard because of his reverence. And I just love this point that, like, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, was heard because of his reverence, his godly fear. And now it just made me think, how much more should we come to the Lord with reverence? And reverence is not an outward state. It can be, but it's a position of our hearts when we come before him. So verse 7 says that Jesus offered prayers and supplications with loud cries to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard. And the author is talking about when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said he was about to go to the cross, about to go to the most painful and difficult season in his earthly life. And he prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me because it's a tough task. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And when I, when I read, I was like, was he hurt? And he was actually. Because Jesus said, despite what I feel or want, I want your will to be done. And the father said, okay, son, I hear your prayer. My will will be done. And he had to, to go through the cross. We know because we can be here today and have a right relationship with God. So Jesus chose to obey and to surrender. And then verse 8 says, and that's the verse I'm going to focus more. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And this verse blows my mind because first I ask, like, how is it possible, you know, that, that the son of God, the perfect, without sin, son of God, learn obedience? And it is because obedience is not only about not sinning. We associate obedience a lot with, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. And actually, obedience is more than not sinning. Obedience is choosing to surrender to God's perfect will for your life. That's what Jesus did. So say to the person on your side, obedience is surrender. Lovely. I was reading some commentaries on this passage, and one of the, the theologians, I can't remember which one, he said that God enthroned in the heavens obeys no one. Enthroned, he obeys no one and no obey him. But when Jesus became flesh, and that's what verse 7 says, in the days of his flesh, he exp experienced what it means to submit to humble himself, to obey God. What God requires of us, he experienced himself. I want you to understand that he experienced himself. 
the way that I see is that there are two steps of obedience in the life of a Christian. The first step is when you come to the Lord, you give your life to Him, and you stop sinning. You choose to stop sinning. Because now you can. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And he, he leads you to a life of holiness. And, you know, like we break the cycle of sin. As a Christian, sin, if you don't know that, should be an accident in our lives. Not a recurring thing. But the second step, and the third step, and the fourth step, and there we go. It is a life of surrendering to God's will. You know, like um, you read Abraham, leave your home and go to a place where I show you. That was the first step. And after that, he, he does it. God unlocks the next step and unlocks the next step. And I was thinking about it. Most of the miracles and things that we love to hear in the Bible and, and read about and talk about it, they are always start with a step of obedience. You know, you've got to do this. Come and follow me, disciples. But, but, but to do what? Like, just, you know, leave everything. Come and follow me. Philip, leave Samaria, a place of reviving. Go to that road. And then a miracle happens, you know. So, Jesus, he, he wasn't going from disobedience to obedience. He was going from obedience to obedience. From surrender to surrender to surrender to God's perfect will. You know, and that's Christianity, guys. You know, God gave us a free will to choose between Him and the Word. But when we make the decision, I want to follow you, Jesus, what Paul says is we become slaves of Christ. And what happens in that decision, with our willing decision, we are saying, God, not my will, not free will, but your will. It is God's will now in the life of a Christian. And why is that? It's because we know that he's a good father. We know that his ways are better than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. His dreams for our lives are greater than ours. And that's why we choose to obey. And I just want to say to you that sometimes obedience is costly. It is costly. Surrendering is costly. Jesus had to suffer Jesus suffered to surrender. It's what he says, the verses. And, you know, we live in a free country. And it may not cost our really lives to be killed to follow Jesus. But maybe in 2024, to surrender to God's will for your life, it may cost you a few things. It may cost your finances. You know? It may cost your dreams. So that his dreams take place in your life it may cost even your career it may cost whatever it costs it is worth surrendering and i want to say that in the end i believe that a life of disobedience to him is going to be even more costly so we need to measure that so we all want to be a successful, su successful follower of Jesus in 2024. A Christian that really is a copy of Jesus. And guys, it's, it's, very, it's very simple. We've got to be obedient and faithful to what he's asking. That's our assignment. And I just want to do a quick exercise in here right now. It's called Questions for Jesus. If you can close your eyes, the Spirit of God's in this place. 
and he speaks. And just ask the, this, this question to God. What do you want? How can I be obedient to you today, this week, this month, this year? What do you want? Great. That's a thing that you can do every single day. And whatever God told you, if you heard something, do it. It might be related to stop sinning and stop doing this or giving me that that I've been asking you. Just do it. You know, <clears throat> I talk, we talked about, you know, that we believe we're living in the last times, the last, uh, last, last days. And the question that Pastor Aaron asked on this first service of the year made me think, you know, if we knew that Jesus was really, if we had the certain assurance that Jesus was coming back in 2024, okay, how would we live differently? <laughs> what sin would you cut out of your life? Who would you intentionally preach the gospel to? And the matter is, what is stopping us doing those things? Is that obedience is costly. It may cost our image. It may cost our pockets. It may cost, and that's surrendering. That's surrendering. You know, and I, I, was, I was struggling earlier this week because I was like, God, I don't want to bring this message, you know. I want to bring like a nice message. But, you know, I felt the Lord saying that, you know, there's so many good news in obedience and surrender. One of the things that there's always joy in surrender. There's rest to your soul when you surrender to his perfect will. There's godly strength and capacity to do what he's asking you to do when you surrender to his will. There's provision for your needs when you surrender. And the image that God gave me was like in Brazil, we, when we want to go to the seaside, we tend to go to the south. They have nicer beaches there. And <clears throat> it is a long journey though. It's like 12-hour, 14-hour drive. And it would be me, dad, and my brothers and my mom. And sometimes I would be the one driving. And when I'm driving, you know, the pressure is on me. You know, motorways in Brazil, they're not that safe. You've got to be, you know, looking, attentive. Their lives are on my hands. You're at high speed. But the moment we stop in the guy's station and I pass on to my dad to take over the steering wheel, I can chill. I can relax. I can nap. And I, I felt God saying, look, that's surrendering. If you give me the steering wheel of your life, you can just follow me wherever I go. And the, the pressure is not on you anymore. The pressure is not on you anymore. Great. Second point. Another lovely point. Purity. Purity. Uh, purity through dependence. I felt the Lord saying that he's after this in us and in the church. You know, it may be. Maybe that's what we need before the powerful move of God we've been waiting for, that we've been praying for, that we are on the edge of. But one thing is very important is that, like I said, I believe also that the pathway to purity is dependence. And I'm going to explain what that means. 
on a pursuit of purity, sometimes we can become very legalistic. We can start saying, what can I do to become more pure? How many more hours do I have to pray? How many more books do I have to read? And we become too good in our pursuit for purity. We become too pure in our own rights. And I don't want us to fall into this trap. If you want to open the Bible in Song of Songs, verse 5. Sorry, Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 2. Song of Songs 5-2. You know, I believe that all those questions are relevant and important. The intentionality is important, but purity should start with an acknowledgement of our dependence. Purity should start with an acknowledgement of our neediness for Him, our weakness. This is an interaction between the bride and the groom. That represents the church and Jesus. And in this case, the, the groom is outside. Okay. I slept, but my heart was awake. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head was drenched with dew, my hair with dampness of the night. But I responded, I haven't taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? My lover tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love, and my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh. As I pulled back the boat, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but I could not find him anywhere. You know, the bride of chapter 5 of Song of Songs. She didn't open the door to her beloved because she was partying, she was sinning in the world, she was just living her best life. No, but because she was already too clean, too anointed, too purified, to the point that she says, oh, I'm not gonna, I don't want to get my feet dirt." I can't even open because there's a lot of oil in my hands. So she doesn't open the door because she's dirty, but because she's already too clean. And she doesn't even need her beloved. You know, what I'm trying to say is that this is an example of self-righteousness. When we become pure by our own strength. You know, Hebrews 12 too says that Jesus is look, fixing our eyes on Jesus, that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. We cannot forget that. That he's the perfecter. That we need him for salvation, but we need him for purification. We need to come to him. You know, and I feel like in the church, sometimes we, become, we became too good at what we do. We are too good. You know, we, we have the speakers and conferences and podcasts and studies and books and mentors and coaching. And all of that is too great. But almost that like we don't need more the power of God to break through, break out. Second Corinthians 12, 90 
is God talking to Paul and he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I know that we don't want weak. No one wants to be weak. But Paul here, he's boasting his weaknesses. I know that it sounds upside down, but that's, that's the, the beauty of sometimes our weaknesses and acknowledging that before God, like, I cannot do this, but now you come through. Now you break. Now you, now you manifest yourself. You know, I, I was thinking about children. You know, one of, the, one of the things that make them so pure is their dependence on their parents. And God wants us to become mature Christians, but never stop being his children. And remembering that he's the purifier of us. So the pathway to purity, it is starting with recognizing, really, that we are dependent on him. Recognizing that we're sinful and we need him. Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. Recognizing that we are weak and we need his strength. Starts with us humbling ourselves to him. You know, what was the last time that we really prayed and really prayed from the bottom of our hearts saying, God, I need you. Like, if you don't come through, I need you. I really need you. I'm dependent on you. I'm dependent on you. I, I need your power. I need your spirit. Sometimes we pray that, but we think, ah, but if it doesn't show up, I, I know how to do this. You know, I know how to figure it out. If the band would like to jump. And you may say, like, okay, okay, Levi, but where do I even start? What do I do? Well, if you are good, if you, if you heard the message and you feel like, oh, I'm completely surrendered and I'm, you know, here, you know, please tell me what's the secret. Because... I'm not there yet as well. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm the first one to, to acknowledge that I need to be more surrendered to God and to become pure through my dependence on Him. If you are new to this, I don't know if there is anyone that is here maybe for the first time or you're not even a Christian. I want to tell you that today you can choose to follow Jesus. You can, and I'm not trying to sell you Jesus and convince you to follow Jesus because the Holy Spirit convinces your heart. If I was trying to sell you Jesus, I'm not a great seller. But you know, Jesus talking about being one of his followers in, in, in Luke 14, he says, look, before you start building a construction, you should measure the costs so you finish it. You know, and, and life as a follower of Jesus is costly, but also is worth it. So if you are here today and you're thinking, I don't know, everything you said is crazy, but makes sense. It's because the Spirit's resonating to your heart. It is worth it following Him. And like I said, it's more, even more costly not following Him. And you can make a decision today. 
to just follow him. As we're going to have a time of worship and everything, you can just literally do this with your hands and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I open my heart to you. I want to stop my, my wrongdoings. I repent of all the stuff I've done and I, I accept into my heart as my Lord and Savior and talk to us. But to the majority of the majority of you guys here, my brothers and sisters, I feel that for the for this appeal, God gave me a verse. It's Isaiah 42, 3. It says, He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. And this verse talks about Jesus' character towards us, how he deals with us. You may be feeling like the weakest reed. The reed, reed is a, I had to research, it's like a plant, very fragile. And the weakest reed is the most fragile plant. And you may feel like in a point of breaking, fragile in our faith. He does not finish the job. He deals with you gently because he loves you. You may feel like the flame that once burned so hard in your heart now is just a flickering candle almost going off. Or it has been there, not growing, it's just stagnant. He doesn't just, see you later. No, he gently blows that flame. So it grows. So that flame that's almost going off becomes a consuming fire in your heart. I think the invitation for us tonight is to literally open our hearts to the Lord. Because he wants to give us a new heart this morning. He wants to give us a new heart this morning. If you understand. He wants to give us a new heart this morning. He wants to give you a new heart this morning. The only thing you've got to do is come to him. Is open up and say, Lord, here I am. I want to, be, I want to surrender to you once again. Whatever is the cost, I want to be pure. I want to be like a child that comes running to you. And I felt like I want to invite you to respond this morning. But I, I want to invite you to respond this morning. But we're not going to, I don't feel like we should be praying for you, laying our hands on you. It's you and God, but I, I feel like He wants a response. So, if you want to respond to what we spoke this morning, maybe to the first question you asked him earlier on, what do you want me to be obedient to you this year? And you want to say, yes, I, I want to respond to that. Or maybe you want to respond to, to the message you say, I want my heart to burn again for you, Jesus. I want to burn again for you, Jesus. I want to be more dependent on you, Jesus. I want you... I humble myself before you, Jesus. I want to submit this year before you, Jesus. If you want to respond, 
somehow, or even if you want to say, I want to I wanna accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to come here to the front. Just come to the front. You can stand, you can stay on your knees. You know, just come to the front. Jesus. 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 I just want to say to you that I'm the first one here in the front. I want my heart to burn tomorrow for Jesus. Sometimes we struggle with response and we associate response to whoever is sinning. We associate response to whoever is not a Christian, but actually response is to the hungry ones. So as we sing the next song, beautiful song, just feel free to come to the front and let the presence of the Holy One minister to your heart and set your heart on fire again.